I'm going to start out a little bit different. When we were singing that song, every now and then, it doesn't matter how many times I've sang the same songs, every now and then a lyric stands out to me, and where are my chains now, right? Who's thankful to be walking in freedom this morning from the bondage of sin? Come on, somebody. Who's thankful to be walking in freedom? Look where my chains are now, man. That, that lyric just gripped me this morning, and I was thinking back through all of the, the healing and the journey that God has had me on, and I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, in your face, devil. Look where my chains are now. Come on, somebody, somebody else. Be thankful that God has set you free from sin and darkness and bondage. Man, that just hit me differently this morning, so I just had to take a moment and celebrate that with you. If you're new here with us today, my name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here, and incredibly have each and every one of you with us this morning. It's a beautiful day outside, but we're glad that you're inside with us. And if you are new and you're not in a hurry today, I'll be out at Next Steps. I'd love the opportunity just to say hi and to say thank you for coming and joining us. So if you're not in a hurry, come by and do that. Well, today we are concluding in this series called The Art of Neighboring. And so far we have determined that for those of us who follow Jesus, and we know that's not everybody in this room, but for those of us who follow Jesus, it's not an option for us to choose whether or not we get to love our neighbor. And we've determined up until now that one of the greatest ways we actually show God that we're devoted to him, that we love him, is by loving our neighbor, by loving people. Now, I've got to be honest with you in this, my approach of this particular sermon today. I wasn't sure how I wanted to conclude this series. I wasn't sure what I wanted to preach on in this particular message, which led me to ask a really simple, basic question. What is the number one thing that is likely keeping the majority, majority of us from following through on one of the most important things that Jesus has asked us to do, to love our neighbor? To which an answer immediately surfaced in my mind because I would tell you that the problem for most of us is margin. Creating space in our lives specifically for God to show up. And I would argue that, man, when we don't create space, when we don't set aside margin, not only do we not do an adequate job of loving our neighbor, but I don't think we do an adequate job of love. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about the importance of margin in our lives. And I would argue that creating more margin in our lives might be one of the greatest ways for each of us to enhance our faith. And so listen to me, you might be here today and maybe you would describe your life as being in a spiritual cold. In other words, you've felt disconnected from God for a while now. Or maybe there's something inside of you that desires for God to use you in greater and more impactful ways. Maybe one, some of you just want to step into the more that God has created you for. And if that describes you at all, I want to encourage you to tune in for the entirety of this message because a lack of margin in our lives is likely the most significant thing coming in between us and the life that God has for us. Now, just to make sure that we're all on the same page, when I say the word margin, what I mean is the intentional space that we're creating in our lives for a specific person, a purpose. In short, margin is intentionally making room for what's most important. And so for our context today, it would be the space that we're intentionally giving over to God, inviting him to bring us back into alignment with his purpose for our lives. So, instead of living appointment to appointment, instead of maxing out every minute and every moment of our lives, instead of exhausting 
all of our mental capacity on things that shouldn't even make the top five of the most important things in our lives. I want us to intentionally carve out space for God to speak. Because margin is often what God uses to show you something that you couldn't have seen on your own. I mean, come on, we've got to admit this morning that many of us, if not now, at times, are living in this perpetual state of fog. I mean, how often do you feel like you can't clearly see the answer, you can't clearly see the step forward because you're just surrounded by the chaos and the pressures of life? How often do you feel stuck in a situation that seems out of your control? So listen to me, if you want, if you want a life that feels more deeply connected to God, if you want a life of better decisions and fewer regrets, if you want a life that God desires to leverage more for the sake of his kingdom because you're giving him more space, then I would suggest that creating margin for God must become a greater priority for all of us. Because without that intentional space, without that intentional time that we set aside, not only do I think we'll miss a lot of incredible moments that God has for us, don't miss this. We will also miss the opportunity for God to use us to make moments for others. Do you know that this morning? Do you know that somebody else has a moment coming in their life, maybe a pivotal moment because of you, because of your willingness to give God some space and to show you something that you maybe couldn't see on your own? Yes, I want those moments for you, but I also want you to be a moment maker for others. And I would suggest that that's impossible if we don't give God some space in our lives to show us something, to help us to see something that we could never see on our own. One of the areas where I feel like God is kind of exposing the truth of this for me is being a father. Unfortunately, I would say far too often I come home and I just feel exhausted by the day. I feel overwhelmed mentally. I feel like I've exhausted all of my mental capacity. I feel like I'm playing catch up and so I'm still trying to figure out if I've got messages that, or emails that I need to follow up with and it keeps me from being intentionally present for my kids. Now don't get me wrong, I'm there, but I'm not really there. You see, margin isn't just time, it's time set aside with an intentional focus. But I'm watching that when I do that well, and I don't always do it well, but if I do that well and I set aside some margin, specifically in the evening with my kids, and I've been telling as many dads that will listen to me this advice, don't, or no, let me say it this way, put your kids to bed as long as they will allow you to. Put them to bed as long as they will allow you to because I have these sweet moments with my kids when I'm fully present and I set aside that margin and I set aside anything else that's competing for my attention in that moment. And oftentimes just sitting down on the edge of a bed, helping them process through their day, to process through their emotions, letting them ask some hard questions. I'm amazed how little time it takes when it's intentional and when it's focused. I'm amazed at the impact it can make when I set aside that time when I put that margin in my day. Now, just like a father, I would tell you today that your heavenly father wants that same kind of intentional focused time with you. He loves you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to help you to see things that you can't see on your own. 
He did this with Jesus, even the Son of God, when he walked on this earth with us. He took time, he set aside intentional time to spend with the Father, processing through his own emotions at times. Look at the Garden of Gethsemane. I could actually point to several examples when Jesus did this, but I want to point out one specific to you today. It's in Mark's Gospel, and I'll set the context. What's happening is Jesus is just beginning his ministry, and he's healing a lot of people. He's casting out demons, and he's in the city of Capernaum. And if you've ever seen The Chosen, I actually think it's really interesting how uh, the series The Chosen depicts this because it shows Jesus in a tent all day long, all the way up until the late hours of the night. And he's in a tent and people are coming to him from all over and he's healing people and he's casting out demons. And then it shows him leaving that tent and he is just exhausted. We don't often think of Jesus that way, do we? He's exhausted from the day and he walks to his own tent and he just collapses. That's the moment where we find Jesus right here. Mark chapter one, beginning in verse 35. Very early in the morning, so the next morning. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and he went off to a solitary place. That's important. Where he prayed. He spent time with his father. He was processing some things with his father. He set aside some margin to spend time with the father. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Jesus, everybody's looking for you, man. Where have you been? Like all that stuff you did last night, the word has gotten out, and so there's even a bigger line now. We got to get you back in town. There's people waiting on you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. Ready? That is why I have come. Don't miss this. Hold on to that. That is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. It's almost as if this margin that Jesus set aside to spend time with his father reminded him of his most important mission, his most important purpose, because what he was doing, casting out demons and healing people, of course, that's incredibly important. But when he gets away in solitude, sets aside some intentional focused time, and he invites God into that moment when he, he's God in the flesh as well, but when he invites his father into that moment with him, it's as if Jesus is reminded of his most important mission, which begs the question, if Jesus needed solitude, if Jesus needed margin set aside to spend time with his father to make sure that he was following through on his most important purpose, who are we to think that we could ever thrive in our faith without it? I don't know where that space is for you. Maybe you've never even taken the time to, to think where it needs to be. For some people, it might be a front porch, back porch. Maybe it's a spot up in the mountains or in the woods. Maybe it's in your car, just with some silence. Sometimes this room is that spot for me. Throughout the week at times, sometimes I'll get overwhelmed by everything that I've got on my calendar and I'm trying to get on top of things. Sometimes I might experience some writer's block when I'm writing a sermon. I just gotta kind of free myself up for a moment. Sometimes I get so caught up in ministering to others that I don't let God minister to me. And so I come in here, sit somewhere in there. I sit in one of those chairs. I give God some space. And I usually just start asking some questions. God, 
would you help me see some of this stuff more clearly? Because I feel like there's just a fog over my brain right now, and I don't feel like I'm seeing clearly. Will you help me see clearly? And then oftentimes I'll say, God, what do the people that are going to sit in these chairs this Sunday need to hear? Would you remind me of the real pain that's going to walk through those doors? Would you elevate my empathy so that I don't get up here and just say a lot of good spiritual stuff, but actually speak to the heart of what's going on in somebody's life? God, will you help me to see something that I can't see on my own? You see, margin is often what God uses to show you something that you never could have seen on your own. If you've been following Jesus for any amount of time, you've likely heard of this sentiment shared at some point in time, this idea, this notion of waiting on the Lord. Now, oftentimes when this is shared, it's typically in the context of an extended period of time. And so I'll give you a few examples. It could be that somebody's marriage is on the fringes and maybe one person in the marriage is working really hard. They're trying to be faithful to be a good wife. They're trying to be faithful to be a good husband, but they know it's going to take time and they're waiting on the Lord to do what only he can do. Maybe at times it's somebody who feels a complete disconnect in what they're doing in their occupation and for a living and they want to live with more purpose for God. And so they're inviting God to come and, and show them maybe a different career path, maybe open up a new opportunity, but it's gonna take some time and so they wait on the Lord. And so again, oftentimes when this sentiment is shared, this idea of waiting on the Lord, it's in the context of a long extended period of time. But I would suggest to you today that that's not where I experience waiting on the Lord the most. When I think of this idea and this notion of waiting on the Lord, it's oftentimes in short increments of time that are right in front of me, where I just pause just long enough. I pause within my day, I pause within my schedule to think through because maybe there's a lot of stuff coming at me. Maybe I've got to make a really important decision and I'm trying to ask God for some advice, some, some favor. I'm trying to ask God for some guidance that he would give me some of his wisdom. And I just, I just want to wait on God for a second. But here's the confession of your pastor. I do not do this well. Maybe some of you can identify with me today. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I'm a pioneer. I like to take a hill. It's like, let's shake some things up and get some things done. All gas and no regrets, baby. Can I get an amen this morning? And that's just the way that I'm wired. But where that's led me oftentimes is being on the other end of a decision, a very important decision, sometimes even decisions for this church and what I quickly realized is I didn't wait on the Lord. I got ahead of him. I didn't pause long enough to ask for guidance and wisdom. I didn't sit still to see if there was a different way, if God could show me something, help me to see something that I couldn't see on my own. And so maybe you need to write this next statement down. I promise you there's so much truth in it. Don't ever get ahead of where the Holy Spirit has led. Don't ever get ahead of where the Holy Spirit has led. In other words, make sure 
that you're carving out some time every single day to sit in the presence of God, especially if you've got something big in front of you, something that's pressing in on you and you feel the pressure and you've got a big decision that's coming up, can I just encourage you to not get ahead of where the Holy Spirit is led. Sit in his presence for a moment, carve out some time and invite him to allow you to see something that you couldn't have seen on your own. Allow him to help you to digest through your emotions and make sure you're holding your emotions accountable because sometimes our emotions can deceive us. But I can promise you this morning, church, that you're gonna miss out on so many of those moments for God to bring clarity into your life when you don't intentionally set aside margin, when you don't carve out time to wait on the Lord which is why I think I can make this next statement with absolute certainty. All of us, all of us would benefit from spending more time waiting on the Lord, giving him an opportunity to check our thoughts, giving him an opportunity to guide our words so we're not just reacting in the midst of a heated moment, but making sure that our words truly do reflect not only our heart, but the heart of a good husband, of a good wife, processing through our emotions in a healthy way, leading us to make better decisions and have fewer regrets. And so how do we grow this discipline of waiting for the Lord in our lives? How do we grow that? We make margin for it. I wanna show you the first time this comes up in the Bible, well, one of the first times. Uh, it's in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah from the prophet Isaiah. And it's in Isaiah chapter 40 and this is what it says. Have you not known, have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not faint or grow weary. He is understand, his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who say it, wait. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Did you catch it? Because if you didn't, I want to spell it out for you really clearly. One of our greatest weapons against the weariness of this life is waiting on the Lord. Anybody else feel weary this morning? Isaiah is giving us some very clear instructions. If you want a renewed type of strength that won't come from you, won't come from working out at lifetime, if you want a renewed focus and vision and fervor, wait. Not just for anybody. Wait on the Lord. Guys, God doesn't want you to wait on him or set aside time for him because he wants to control your lives. He wants you to wait on him because he cares about you. He cares about what happens to you. Don't take my word for it, take the Apostle Peter's. First Peter five, he said, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. For some of you, that's all you need to hear today. He cares for you. 
your circumstance, what you're going through right now, that situation that you feel stuck in, it matters to him. He cares for you. That addiction that nobody else knows about that you have behind the scenes that you feel like you cannot overcome on your own, it matters to him. That loss you experienced recently, it's led to a lot of grief and heartache, it matters to him. That kid that you have, one of your kids that's going through that situation, whatever that situation is, and you wish you could fix it for them, but there's nothing you can do, it matters to him. Your hurts, your habits, all your hangups, they matter to him. And this is where I want to challenge some of you. Because one of the greatest tools of the enemy in your life is the fact that you haven't been spending time with God enough to know his heart for you. And if you don't know God's heart for you, if you don't know the Father's heart for you, it's so much easier for the enemy to lie to you. It's so much easier for the enemy to convince you of things that simply are not true. And so when I say we need to set out and we need to carve out time, intentional focused time with our heavenly father to invite him to help us to see things that we can't see on our own, it's also so that you get to know the heart of your heavenly father by spending time in his presence, by spending time in his word so that the enemy's lies are no longer deceptive because you know the truth. And it sets you free. Where are my chains now? So ask the question today. I mean, I hope that all of us come in here any given Sunday wanting to grow in our faith, to invite God to search our hearts, to help, to invite him to help us to see things we can't see. So ask yourself the question, how much how much intentional time are you carving out for God every day? And once again, this is your pastor speaking. Sometimes I feel like I do a decent job at it. Other times I feel like I'm in a spiritual cold. I just feel disconnected from God and then I actually take the time to survey and look at my life and I come to, quickly, come to the conclusion quickly that it's not God removing himself from me. I'm not carving out time for him. Listen, if you don't trust God, um, then I would have no expectations of you to wait for him. I mean, if you're here today and you're just kind of searching, you're looking into all this stuff, man, we are incredibly grateful you're here. But if you don't trust God, then there is no expectation that you would wait on him. But for those of us who love Jesus, we wait on him because there is an expectation that he's there. There is an expectation that he actually wants what's best for you and me. There is an expectation that he wants to fill us with hope. There is an expectation that he wants to show us that he has a much better purpose and plan for our lives than we often set out for ourselves. And we miss that. We overlook it or we fill it with something else. When we don't intentionally invite God into our lives every single day, carve out that space, intentional focus time with our heavenly father to show you something that we can never see on our own. Let me show you something else that Isaiah said. For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who what? Who wait. Who works for those who wait for him. But can we be honest this morning? 
As American Christians, we don't like waiting for anything. We don't have time to wait, right? We want it now. We want faster service, faster internet, faster checkout lines, faster responses, faster delivery, faster results. Some of you might even want faster women. That's a sermon for another day, but please keep coming back. And we wonder why we're weary. I want to read to you something that John Mark Comer said in his book, The Relentless Elimination of Hurry. It's an incredible book, by the way. I'd encourage you to read it. He said, what you give your attention to is the person you become. Put another way, the mind is the portal to the soul. And what you fill your mind with will shape the trajectory of your character. In the end, your life is no more than the sum of what you gave your attention to. That bodes well for those apprentices of Jesus who give the bulk of their attention to him and to all that is good and beautiful and true in this world, but not for those who give their attention to the 24-7 news cycle of outrage and anxiety and emotion-charged drama or the nonstop feed of celebrity gossip, titillation, and cultural drivel. As if we give it in the first place, much of it is stolen by a clever algorithm out to monetize our precious attention. But again, we become what we give our attention to, for better or worse. And so can I encourage you to ask yourself the question today and answer it honestly. What are you giving your attention to? Maybe I could ask it differently. What's getting the majority of your attention? What are you carving out time for? If I were to simply look at your calendar or follow you for a week, what would I determine is the most important thing to you? Trace family, the solution to an over-busy, over-committed life is not more time. It's to make room and margin in our lives for what's most important. So do you want, do you want to be a more loving and intentional neighbor and friend? husband, wife, sister, brother, son, daughter? Do you want a more robust faith where God continually shows you things that you never could have seen on your own? Then set aside more margin every day to wait on the Lord. To wait on the Lord. Don't get ahead of where the Holy Spirit has led don't fall back on your own reactive emotions without giving God a chance to guide your words. How many husbands in here wish you could have taken your words back? If you just gave God a moment, God, will you help me to process through this? I know I shouldn't say it that way and I'm feeling a lot of anger. I feel disrespected, or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. God, would you help me to guide through my words because my words can make the situation worse or if I allow you to guide them, could probably lead us in a better direction. Don't allow the enemy, listen to me, some of you need to write this statement down. Don't allow the enemy to deceive you with lies because you didn't take the time to learn the truth. Can I say it again? Don't allow the enemy to deceive you with lies because you didn't take the time to learn the truth. Yes, God wants to spend intentional time, intentional focused time with you because he wants to show you something, but also because he wants you to get to know him. 
The more you get to know the heart of your heavenly father, the more that you have the examples to show him to a lost and broken world. That's why we do this. Waiting on the Lord is our greatest weapon against the weariness of this life. And so can I encourage each of you to start this week? Can I encourage you to start right now and to give God an opportunity, give God the space to show you something that you couldn't have seen on your own? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thanks for making things clear to me this week what I needed to talk about. Thank you for your grace because we're, man, we mess this up all the time. God, thank you for being willing to guide us. Father, thank you for wanting to spend time with us, wanting to give us moments, even wanting to show yourself by sending Jesus so that we have an actual depiction and picture of you that we can follow. We don't, there's no guesswork there. So whether it's loving our neighbor, whether it's loving our spouse or being intentional with our kids, Father, hands down, I have done that so much better when I actually make time for it. When I set aside specific focused time for that very thing. And God, we all know that, like I don't need to convince anybody of this, we all know that the number one thing we need to carve out time for in our day is you. And maybe collectively right now, we just all need to repent because we just haven't done that enough. Father, I pray that you show the truth of the words that I have spoken this morning, that as we practice waiting on you, that a lot of the weariness of this life will begin to fade. Let us start right now, God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.